Welcome to Grace and Truth with Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a devotion that's meant to encourage you and challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Please subscribe to our podcast and check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace and Truth, a devotion that's meant to encourage you and challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the Word and through a time in prayer. And it is June the 30th, uh, 2021. Uh, The year is now just about halfway over. I can't believe that. Uh, Again, um, we are in the middle of summer. It is a heat wave all over the place. And uh, I have been hearing, though, that this heat wave is extended all over the place, all the way up north, even into Canada. Um, and I feel really, really bad for those people because we here in the desert are used to this. This is kind of par for the course for us during this time of year, super hot temperatures. Um, but uh, even those uh, people that live in Washington are heard that uh, who don't even have air conditioning or, or swamp coolers are experiencing uh, temperatures well over 100 degrees. And I'm just going to tell you, my heart goes out to you um, for that. Uh, but it is uh, par for the course for us here in Boron. We just do our best to kind of stay cool. We get underneath a, a cooler or an air conditioner somewhere, and uh, we make the best of it. In fact, right now, uh, our Boron football team, uh, we're we're practicing, but we're doing so at 8.30 at night under the lights when things start to cool off a little bit. And usually by the time we get started practicing, it's still about 100 degrees, but it's not in the direct sunlight, and the temperatures begin to cool off as we go along. Uh, so that is absolutely uh, a blessing. But But um, uh, that being said, um, I wanted to start again with gratitude. Uh, And I always start with uh, gratitude here in uh, Grace and Truth because I think it's just an important part of the Christian life that we always focus on the things that we need to be grateful for. Even when things are very difficult and in hard, we focus on the truth that we have so much to be grateful to God for. And and I say that is because, um, again, it's easy to lose sight of that. And today, what I'm grateful for is I'm grateful for the fact that we do right now still live in a country, at this moment at least, we live in a country where we can gather for worship without fear of of persecution or fear of actually being uh, arrested by our government. And I mentioned that is because um, our neighbors to the north, uh, that freedom has been eroded super, super fast. Um, there have been several pastors that have been arrested during this pandemic for, for uh, um for actually having church service. Uh, one pastor was arrested a, se- a second time uh, because he, you know, they, they closed his building off and kept him from his building. Uh, and so they met in secret out in an open field somewhere and a police helicopter spotted them and then they figured out who he was and then they came and arrested him a second time in front of his kids. And another pastor was arrested and he was brought up on, on additional charges. One charge didn't even relate to him, but they were making this stick. And what I'm telling you is right now is the government in Canada is beginning to really bend the rules to basically make their case. They're going to do what they want to do. They they are out to basically smash anyone who would stand up and say, you can't keep us from gathering together. Um, and it happens to be churches and pastors in there in the, the line of fire right now. And I and I also just recently read a story that now four churches uh, in Canada have been set on fire, and it looks like it's arson. It's just it's just really disconcerting to me that that a country that was based on the same or similar freedoms as the United States had a very similar heritage to us has just really given up 
um, their freedoms. And and I say that is not that that this is happening irrespective of what what the the populace says. This is happening with the really the support of a very large percentage of the population. People are saying they're getting what they deserve, which just surprises me. But anyway, I say all that to say is that still for now, in this time, right now, we have in America that freedom. And I say that we need to be grateful for it. We need to be thankful for it because guess what? We might not have that that um, uh, that, that much longer. We might not actually get, that, get too much more. Um... um Hello there, Christy. Glad to have you here on Grace and Truth. Uh, glad you could join us today. Um, but again, for me, I'm just grateful to God for the fact that we right now in this moment in America can still gather together. We can still proclaim the name of Christ. We can still tell the truth uh, without the government coming against us. And I say that again because, you know, during the pandemic, there, the government, especially California, was making strides to try to force uh, churches closed and to force pastors um, to 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 pay fines or, or, or do jail time. So uh, in that, that's what I'm grateful for. Uh, but what about you? What are you grateful for? Are you grateful for uh, it for God in your life, uh, whether it's your family or your job or, you know, just uh, the fact that you have technology, you can watch grace and truth. I mean, whatever it is, I'd certainly like to hear from you and you can reach out to me. You can uh, call me um, at uh, 760-762-5149, or you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you. Again, the phone number is 760-762-5149, and you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com. And I would absolutely love to hear from you what you're grateful to God for. Those things encourage me. But also, if you have questions about faith and theology, if you just want to know what it's like to have a relationship with Christ, I'd love to hear from you in that respect as well. Um, now, let's go ahead and move on to the text today. The text today that I want to share with you uh, is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, and it reads this way. It says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Now, this particular text right here... Um, is actually a wonderful text, but it's a bit uh, difficult to translate and to interpret because of the word mystery. The word mystery here is just not a word that we're really super familiar with um, in, the, in the way that it's being used here. In fact, the way we tend to think of mystery is we think of unknown things or things that um, that are hidden that that you know that you work hard to find out. And and in fact, you know, the way we use it is like, well, you know, um, why did he do that? Well, I, I have no idea. It's it's a mystery, right? Or we would think in, in terms of the book genre, a mystery, like murder mysteries, you know. And it's this idea that mysteries are something that that are riddles or puzzles that are to be solved or haven't been solved yet. But a mystery in the Bible is not in that context. It's not it's not the way that it's to be understood. A mystery in the Bible is a truth that was once concealed, but now has been revealed, right? Um, it's a truth that was concealed in the past, but now is revealed. Something that was that was concealed in the, the, the Old Testament has been revealed in the New Testament. And what Paul is, is saying here is that there was something concealed concerning godliness that was hidden, but now in Christ has been revealed. And the truth, it is a truth that has basically, in, in essence, come to light. And, and of course... And, and, and of course, what he's talking about, the, the mystery he's talking about is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth about Christ. The truth that was once concealed by, by uh, 
the truth that was once con was concealed was now been revealed in Christ and his finished work. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, great or large or big, right? The word great here uh, is the word mega, right? It's great or large in the widest sense is the mystery of godliness. In other words, we confess how huge the gospel is. We confess, right, how, how awesome the gospel is. And then he follows this up with what looks like a poem, several little stanzas. And, 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 and when we read them, what we come to realize is this is actually more than likely an early hymn, right? But, but notice it's not simply a hymn. It is a confession. Paul says, says that it is a great we confess. And then he, then he writes out these, these stanzas here of, of this hymn. So that what this really is, is in essence... It's a song or a confession of faith in song, right? And now there's a whole lot to talk about with respect theologically to this particular text. And, and we're going to certainly deal with some of that uh, this coming weekend because I'm preaching uh, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. And there's, again, some implications for the church. But the reason why I point this out is I want you to notice that this song, again, is a confession of faith about Christ. It is, it is a confession of the truths of Jesus. Again, in fact, it says, right, he, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, that he came in the flesh, and that he was vindicated by the Spirit, right, that, his, that he was vindicated by his righteous life, right, and that vindication was made known by his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection vindicates what he did. Right? And then it says that he was seen by angels. The angels themselves have seen him. And he was proclaimed among the nations. When, and the word nations here means Gentiles. Jesus was proclaimed by, to the Gentiles. Right, And then he was believed on in the world. In fact, that's the reason why we're still here is because people have believed the gospel. Right? where they repented and believed, and then he was taken up into glory, right? These statements or confessions about the truth about Jesus Christ, about his life, his death, and his resurrection, these are truths that are foundational to our Christian faith, right? And so, and so by singing this song, what, 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 what they would do is they were publicly confessing their faith. And the reason why this is important for us today is because there just seems to be a lot of confusion about music and the church itself. So we can sing all kinds of different, you know, there, we can sing all kinds of different uh, music with respect to style in the church. You can have piano music. You can have music that has guitar accompaniments. You can have slow songs. You can have faster songs, right? There are different ways to actually sing. And, and by the way, the Bible doesn't prescribe certain types of instruments. You know, it just says to sing a new song and to play skillfully, right? Right. So the type of song, maybe it's not so important, but what the actual words of the song that we sing, that is actually critically important. You see, the songs that we sing in the church for the sake of worship and for sake of worshiping God ought to be just like this. Songs that confess the truth about God and tr the truth about gospel. We ought to be singing songs that declare who God is and what God has done for us and our gratitude to God for, for all of that. And by singing these songs, what we're doing is we are preaching the gospel to to one another, and we are also confessing out loud to that truth. This is the kind of music we ought to be singing in church. Now, 
please, I want you to understand me. There is a lot of different types of Christian music out there. There's just a whole wide range of Christian music out there in the world and that many, many people love. But what we need to realize is that is, is that not every Christian song is a worship song. Now, every worship song is a Christian song, but not every Christian song is a worship song. Not every song declares the truth about God and the gospel. Not every Christian song is a confession of the truth about who God is. Who God is. For example, uh, this last Sunday we sang the song, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. In fact, I'd just like to read for you the, the first verse. It says, What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. This song is obviously about Christ and what he has done for us and is a confession of what it is that we believe. Now, let's let's contrast this particular song with one of the most popular Christian songs of all time. It is a song I can only imagine. I want you to hear the words. I can only imagine what it would be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Now, this is a great song, and it's been something that's listened to so many times. It's been uplifting to me and encouraging to me in the past. In fact, this is a song that, um, that was played recently at a... Um, uh, at a memorial service, and it's a song that certainly gives a sense of hope. But but this is not, it's not a worship song. It's not primarily about, right? It's not primarily about, um, about, about Jesus, right? It's not about him. It's, now, now, it, now it assumes Jesus, and it assumes what Jesus has done, but it doesn't explicitly explain those Things. It's about a person imagining what it would be like when he crosses over into heaven. Right? What am I going to do when I get to heaven? And, and these are valid questions, right? but it's certainly not a confession of faith. It's not an expression of the truth of God and what God has done and, and what we ought to be grateful for. Now, understand, this doesn't mean it's not a Christian song. And it doesn't mean that the song isn't helpful or uplifting because it can be, and it is. It just means that the song is more suited to private devotion than it is for, for public worship. Songs like I Can Only Imagine or Who Am I by Casting Crowns or In the Eye of the Storm or Christian songs that can be useful and helpful and certainly deeply encouraging when you're going through difficult times, but they are not useful at all for public worship. And, 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 and I bring this up for two foundational and important reasons. Number one, the church is the church of the living God. It is God's church. It is his family. And the church ought to seek to worship God in an appropriate manner, a manner that is set 
before us by God himself. And the singing part of the worship service ought to be sung with songs that declare the truth about God and his greatness and the gospel and what he has done for us. The truth that, that we call, that we are called to publicly profess and confess, right? We are to sing these songs, confessing these truths one to another. This is why the words of the song are so important that we sing. For example, the song in Christ Alone, one of the most popular worship songs of our time, uh, has this particular phrase in, in it. It says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. This is a crucial foundational truth of the gospel, right? right? Through Christ's atoning death, the wrath of God against our sin was completely satisfied. That's actually the foundation of the gospel. Without the, the wrath of God, without, without our, that understanding, the gospel doesn't make any sense. We are sinners right, by our own will, and we're under the wrath of God because of that. And But through, the Christ, through Christ's atoning death on the cross, God's wrath was satisfied. Jesus drank down the full cup of God's wrath for us, satisfying God's wrath. And those who have faith in Christ, the wrath of God no longer holds any sway. There's no sting for those. And what this is the truth that we celebrate. We praise the Lord for that. That where we were once sinners at odds with God, his enemies who were under the righteous condemnation and judgment of God, now we have been made family and that wrath no longer exists for us. Now, there are some people who, who were offended by the truth of God's wrath and they wanted to change this phrase, right? And it it goes like this. It says, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. They took out the wrath of God being satisfied to the love of God was magnified. You see, they wanted to take out the wrath of God and replace it with the love of God. And it is certainly true that on the cross, by Christ's sacrifice, God's love was magnified. The Bible tells us that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. But understand, changing this verse takes off of the emphasis of the gospel truth, that there was a problem that we all faced, and that problem was solved by, by Christ. Not just God showing his love for us, but God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that God became the just and the justifier, right? assuaging his own wrath through his son's death. Right? They wanted to take away that gospel center. They changed this to reflect a man-centered theology. They wanted to change a song to make people feel better about the song rather than simply expressing the truth of the gospel. But that is not what worship music is for. Worship music is about God and for God and is our confession that we make, that we believe about him. That's why the words of the songs that we sing corporately on Sunday morning matter. We ought to sing songs in the church that reflect our confession of faith, that reflect the glory of God, that reflect the beauty of the gospel. Now, the second reason why I mention this is I think that we need to incorporate more of this truth-saturated music into our daily devotional and worship time, right? our personal worship time, like when you're driving to town right, or when you're alone with God or you just need to, to, to listen to some of this music to, to, to ingrain you know, God's truth in you. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be listening to other Christian music, right? And in fact, I'm thinking that you should, right? What I'm saying is we need to make it a part of our daily lives to listen to these, these truths of these worship songs that express such profound truths that Christ about Christ and the gospel, 
right? We need to take these truths and, 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 and have them saturate our lives, right? And the reason is because, first of all, these songs remind us of the truths of the Bible. Secondly, it takes those truths and ingrains them into our minds and hearts. It really is so is surprising to me how many people who have like listened and grown up listening to songs or hymns in the church, and then suddenly they start reading the Bible and they recognize that they've been singing scripture like their whole life, that those truths were already ingrained in them before they even read the Bible because they've been singing those truths, right? These This music ingrains the truths in our hearts. And then third, these truths strengthen us and give us comfort because they remind us of the rock-solid nature of our hope. The song, I Can Only Imagine, certainly encourages me. But when I hear words like, you know, when I hear words like, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There's no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, my freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Or how about turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embrace, where the Son of God gave his life for us and our, and our, um, and our infinite debt was paid. Right, those truths as now as I'm singing right now give me the goosebumps because it's reminding me I don't have this this kind of hope that something's going to happen in heaven. I have this hope that there is a that there is a God who has done for me what I can't do for myself and has invited me into a deep personal relationship with Him. And through that, and through that, then I am able to have that relationship through faith in Christ. And that no matter what happens in my life, my life is stable and in the hands of God and that his will will be done in my life and there's nothing beyond his control. These truths strengthen us, they grow us theologically, and they certainly give us the hope that we need to get through the day. And so with that being said, my encouragement to you as we move forward is absolutely love, you know, the song in the eye of the storm, love it. There's there's a lot of great, you know, Christian songs that aren't worship songs, right? And, and I think it's cool that, that we can replace a lot of secular music with Christian music, even if it's not overtly like you know, truth saturated, right? But we, I think, need to have a steady diet, all of us, of of just theologically rich worship songs. And these worship songs come in all kinds of genres, right? Hymns and otherwise, but they're truths that we need in our lives. They help us to confess the truth, and they ingrain the truth into our hearts, and then they strengthen us to live our lives. And so with that being said, um, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the love and the hope that you have granted us. I thank you, Lord God, for those who faithfully listen to grace and truth, and I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. And that, Father, that they would use this message to examine their own lives and how they uh, have consistent worship music in their life. And Lord, they would also then uh, be willing to uh, stand up for the truth in the church, Lord, if they 
attend First Baptist Church, they understand why we pick the songs that we pick. And if they go to another church and then they find out that the music is just theologically weak and it's just man-centered, they maybe would be encouraged to speak up about it. Or maybe they would find a church that really is saturated in the gospel, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would use this, Lord. Uh, in their lives to strengthen them and that you would use it for your glory. And I pray, Father God, you'd bless and protect them and meet all of their needs. And I pray for revival to break out in our community and our state and around the world. And we are all praising you, Lord God, and waiting for the time for your return. But until that time, may we be found busy, laboring, sharing the hope of Christ with our community and our world. We thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. With that being said, I just want to give you a couple just real quick updates. Um, we have. Um, uh, we have our uh, worship service this Sunday at uh, at 11 o'clock. You can join us at 1030. We have uh, coffee and treats and stuff like that at 1030. But then 11, we will worship and we will worship in spirit and in truth. And we will sing songs that reflect the truth about who God is and our hope that's in him. And then we will then hear the reading and the preaching of God's word. And we invite you to come down and join us um, that Sunday. Now, uh, next week, we will have grace and truth. But the following week, I'll miss grace and truth because I will, I mean, I might try to jump in and do a supplemental grace and truth, but uh, I wouldn't say count on it because I'm going to be um, out of town with uh, the youth group. We're going to do a little uh, mini camp on our own and uh, hopefully get to spend some time with them. So be praying for us in that. Pray for the youth group and um, the, the, this little camp. Um, we're taking some very committed um, uh, Christian kids, and I just I just would ask that you'd pray that the, that the truth of the gospel would just continue to penetrate in their heart and make them bold as they come back and live their lives in front of the world as witnesses for Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that. Anyway, you were loved, you are prayed for, and you were deeply missed. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Grace and peace. You've been listening to Grace and Truth with Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you consider partnering with us as we share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world?